0: Welcome to the Holistic Ease Podcast. I am your host, Erin Oberlander, Certified Holistic Aromatherapist, Herbalist, Holistic Health Expert, and Modern Homesteader. This podcast is where you can come to learn and be inspired about a wide variety of topics, all related to holistic lifestyle. Drawing upon ancient wisdom from Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, modern sciences, as well as the art of aromatherapy, we start to connect more deeply with our innate wisdom and our inner voice. Nutrition, essential oils, herbs, spirituality and faith, movement, seasonal living, permaculture, and an occasional digression into the land of the weird and funny, all these things we candidly and honestly discuss here. Why? because I believe it shouldn't be hard to live a life closer to the cycles of nature that improves your quality of life, health, and relationships. So come along with me and let's learn together how to live a holistic lifestyle with ease. Welcome back friends. I am really excited for this episode of the Holistic Ease podcast and vlog. Today I have with me a guest Misty Lampa, a friend of mine, and she is a mom of four, a business owner. She lives in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. She is someone who I feel encapsulates what it means to live a holistic lifestyle and to do it with integrity and to do it with purpose and to do it with a sense of soul. So welcome Misty. We're so excited to have you here today and we're going to talk a little bit about your background how you got into yoga and holistic lifestyle and then we're going to chat a bit about intuitive eating because here at the beginning of the year we see so much diet culture all around us and i know that you have found a different way to relate to food through more of an intuitive approach to life in general a mindful approach to life in general right so, welcome to the podcast, welcome to the vlog, and can you just share a little bit about your background, your story, and how you got into Holistic Lifestyle?
1: Yeah, thank you, Erin. Yeah? Um, so, really my backstory is I was a college athlete, I played soccer in college, okay. and um, I think it's really funny looking back, because I would have Diet Coke on the sidelines <laughs> of my soccer. what I cared about at the time yep pretty funny looking back um, after my college career I moved out to the East Coast and did an internship with um, a few different um, companies for their corporate health so it was oh. really fun I got to work at the Boston Herald and tip O'Neill government center a bunch of fun places out east and um, along the way I stumbled upon hot yoga oh and amazing so I had heard about it, and I lived in Boston, and so I really wanted to try it, and it was really the first time that I felt like, first of all, it was a hard workout, which is what I wanted being an athlete, <clears throat> and then second of all, it was the first time that I had to sit with myself for an hour and a half and, like, mm. stare at myself in the mirror and be like, what the heck is going on? I don't know how to deal with myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I kind of decided I needed more of that, so when I lived on the East Coast, I probably took hot yoga three, four five days a week, yeah. and um, really mostly for the physical, and it wasn't until I moved back to Minnesota, I decided to pursue my yoga teacher training, um, and that was in 2011, and that was fun because I was super pregnant with my second oh. son, and I had, <laughs> yeah, I had him, like middle of the training and then I went back a couple Ooh. days later but they were still great I was like nursing and teaching oh. yoga training and it was really cute that's awesome so, yeah yeah so and then that kind of spiraled into like we moved to this area and it really didn't have a lot of yoga mm-hmm. and it didn't have hot yoga and I really still love the hot the heat the heat mm-hmm. um and so I at some point decided to open up my own studio
0: that's amazing so it all started because of hot yoga And I like what you said there, that it was the first time where you really had to encounter yourself in a sense of stillness and, and having to actually work a little bit on that inner dialogue and that mindfulness. So what was that process like for you when you were, you know, confronting that side of yourself for the first time?
1: Um, like scary and weird and... To do with it, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Until at some point you're forced to face it, right? Right. So yeah. Right. So I kind of just, I kind of use the. Here's how I kind of exp- explain it in terms of yoga. So, and this is how I kind of teach my classes now, too. A bit is like you might come to the yoga mat at first, and you're like, oh, okay, some things are coming up, some things are coming up, mm-hmm. I might deal with it here, but then as soon as I step off my mat, I'm back to my regular life, mm-hmm. and that was me for a really long time, mm-hmm. and and I think eventually, the more different types of yoga you take, and the more you surround yourself with that energy, in some way, whether it's yoga, or whatever mindful practice you have, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of figure, you get to a point where you you have, it it sort of makes its way into you off of the mat or Mm -hmm. off of the practice or off of wherever you are, you Mm -hmm. know, and -hmm. eventually you're like, okay, I know I need to deal with this stuff and I should probably start doing that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's incredible. And I do think, that I do find that, that even being in silence is something that a lot of people really struggle with because then they're having to hear those inner thoughts and those inner dialogues and, and there's a lot of fear of leaning into that. And starting to work through those things. But what I find with yoga is, you know, yoga is uh, is not just what we think of as yoga. You know, it's not just the poses on the mat and the class, but it's an entire approach to life. And there's different aspects of yoga. So the fact that it started to infuse itself into the rest of what you're doing is so cool, because that's exactly what that was designed to do. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
0: So then you ventured into being a business owner. And so tell me what really inspired you, you know, so you're in a small town. I'm in a really small town. Um, we're both lucky enough to have yoga where we are, but when you don't have it and you need it, it's horrible. <laughs> so were you just wanting to provide that service for people? Were you seeing like a greater vision with what you were doing? Cause I know that you have, um, yoga, fitness, and nutrition are kind of the three parts of your business that you emphasize, correct?
1: Yeah, so I started out actually. My company name, One Eighty Balance, started as a nutrition company, mm-hmm. and I would just do like meal plans for people and mm. kind of work with mostly athletes or women wanting to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because I'm so like totally against like what I started with, kind <laughs> of you know. Um, but yeah, so that's really what it started with. And then I always taught like fitness classes, so I had been teaching at our local community center and. Um, you know, I just, I just knew I wanted a different atmosphere for the yoga, mm-hmm. and, and we really tried to work something out where we would work. I would work something at the stu- or at the community center that I was working at. But my vision was just so different from there yeah. that eventually I just said, you know what? I love this place. I've had a great experience. So I just, I need to like do it. And I actually tried to get other people to open a studio. Like I didn't want to be a business owner. I, I just wanted to like teach people how to teach, and I wanted. to I missed the of it, but Can you hear me?
0: Yep. Yep. I think we're having okay. K- sorry, that's okay. I think we're
1: back
0: on. Yep. I think, I think we're now. good.
1: Yeah.
0: So you're so, talking about how you didn't want to be a business owner, but you ended up, yeah, I
1: didn't want to. I ended up like I was trying to get other people to open a studio and
0: mm-hmm.
1: just me help manage it or whatever, but eventually, my husband convinced me to just do it, like, let's just do it ourselves, we can mm-hmm. do, you can do this, and so I did, and, um, and then it was really funny, because I thought just everybody would show up if I opened up a yoga studio, and nobody showed up,
0: Oh, so you had to f- figure out marketing, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I would have, like, two people that followed me from the community center, where I'd have, like, 40 people in classes, you know, and then oh my gosh. I was like, well, oh, okay, <laughs> <Just calling. laughs>
0: So it's a process and it's so interesting. I find this to be true with a lot of people that are in the healing realm, is that they initially resisted going into the space where they were actually going to be the most effective in bringing their message and their work forth into the world. Um, I find this with myself too. It's like, oh, somebody else could do that. Somebody else would do that better. And I think it's a really good lesson for those of us that are feeling that resistance to maybe explore that space a bit more and maybe some of the fears behind it that we have aren't what they think that they are you know there's just a lot of different reasons why we might resist that but it might be the very thing that we're resisting that is actually what we're called to do the other thing that I really like about what you said is that you started out doing nutrition plans for people and now that's something that you don't really align with and I think that we need to normalize that like as As we grow as healers, we can't, you know, there's this expectation I think a lot of us have for ourselves that, oh, I need to know everything. I need to be totally a a complete, whole, healed person before I can move into healing work, before I can instruct other people but it's actually the process of us working through that that is the most powerful for other people to observe. So tell me about the shift that you made then from helping women diet into being more of an intuitive eater yourself and helping others with that as well, because that's a big shift.
1: Yeah, that's a big shift. Um, And actually, I totally find what you said totally true as well. I, if I had known that how much opening a business and like putting myself out there in that business would change me you know Mm. I like I always say like the studio has saved me over and over Mm. and over again you Mm -hmm. know it's just been really powerful so Mm. um you know uh my thoughts on nutrition I think once you just start to um feel your body and Mm. feel your own Wisdom, I, I just couldn't. I don't. I don't know when that timeline was. I can't mm-hmm. describe like a certain time where I just stopped believing what I believe before. And I still do believe in like eating, you know, balanced nutrition of eating, you know, in general like macronutrients so you protein, carbohydrates, and fat. I still believe in that. Um, but I'm not rigid, and I I believe that you know your body better than I do. That mm-hmm. I can't tell you what you need. That you have to get quiet enough to learn what you need. Mm-hmm for yourself mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly when that shift happened but but it happened and, and I couldn't go back to thinking any other way once I figured that out and once I realized that no I, I know if I'm quiet enough I can hear what my body needs and I can feel when something doesn't sit well with me and when things do sit well with me and what energizes me and what depletes me and mm-hmm. what all those things so yeah I don't know when the shift happened but again I just think it's you know, that was something that I was hoping to, that would come up naturally, and it totally did, but I think anytime you're immersed in, and not totally immersed, anytime you're even dipping your toes and coming back regularly into some sort of energetic body practice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're, again, you're just forced to listen. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you listen, you can't deny what is happening any longer
0: amen sister amen we need so much more of this and this is a big part of my work too is to reconnect people to their intuition because I feel that we've become so disconnected from it Um, that it's like we don't trust we don't even trust that we could possibly hear an inner voice and that if we did hear an inner voice it would tell us the truth like there's just a lot of layers of um, self limiting beliefs about that I think that exist And then there's the other side of things where it's like the diet culture has told us that things have to be a certain way in order for us to feel and look the way that we want to. So there's a lot of undoing, I think, of false beliefs that happens when you get into some kind of mindfulness or intuitive work. Um, Now, I'm curious for you, there is a formal practice called intuitive eating, capital I, capital E. There's a book by the same name. You can go and get trained in it. Um, so that's an aspect of intuitive eating, but I'm hearing what you're saying is that you first came to intuitive eating, not through formal instruction in that, but through your mindfulness practice. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've never taken formal intuitive eating training. I am certified nutritionist and probably have all the certifications out there for (laughs) C T nutrition and I've taught it for like 20 years, but, um. But honestly, none of that really matters. It's it's what my own practice with myself has got me.
0: So if you had to define intuitive eating, how would you define it if you were explaining it to a client?
1: What I do when I work with clients is help them settle down their head. Okay. And tune into what's going on. So that might mean like we do you know some sort I don't I don't like rules I don't like anything like that yeah so when I say like journaling I mean it really just loosely mm-hmm. but just being aware of like what your body feels like after you eat something mm-hmm. 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 and what's happening to your skin what's happening to your digestive system when you're going to the bathroom you know what color mm-hmm. is your what color are things what <laughs> is it liquid is it solid. Like those types of things are going to tell you exactly what what types of food are right or wrong for you. Yeah, And yeah, there's some guesswork and there's some things that you can do. And if somebody is struggling with a particular issue, you know, it it may be something I can help them pinpoint through trial and error, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, probably this food, let's see what happens if you don't have that for a bit Mm -hmm. and see how you feel. So it's it's a bit of just practicing. Um, But I think Again, going back to this culture, it's such a quick fix culture yeah. that um, it, it's not very many people who are ready and willing to do that deep work of the listening and of the really figuring out what works for them.
0: Yeah, I feel like if we could approach it with more of a sense of curiosity and play and see it as an experiment rather than this is this is something I need to fix and check off my list and then I'm done you know, instead of looking at it as real type A to actually approach it a little bit more from the type B side of things. And like you said, more loosely, but it's hard for people to give themselves permission to do that. I feel so. Yeah. So when you started eating more intuitively, I'm curious to know for you and everybody is different, right? So what works for Misty or what works for me is not going to be what works for the next person. But I'm curious to see from your standpoint, what did you notice when you started really tuning in about your food? What kind of benefits did you notice? What kind of things did you notice were bothering you?
1: Um, I knew I was um, sensitive to, let's say, like gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I did like a, a cleansing process. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I kind of eliminated stuff from my... You know, I did like a two day cleanse, and when I eliminated the stuff from my from my eating, and tried to put it back in, knowing I was already sensitive to it, it became more and more sensitive. And I just sometimes it's worth it. Like sometimes I want a freaking cupcake, yes. and I'm going to have a cupcake. And I love <laughs> cupcakes. Yeah. And then I'm going to pay for it because my stomach's going to hurt, and I'm going to have sharp pains in my stomach. My throat gets like. And, and scratchy, mm-hmm. and don't you know, feel good, and my digestive system's all messed up. Um, but it's worth it sometimes, and I'm okay with that. I, mm-hmm. I just have that knowledge, and I also have the respect for my body to not do that most of the time. Ooh,
0: I love what so, you just said there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a version yeah. of self love to be able to respect what your body is needing and telling you.
1: And I talk about that with a lot of women I work with because we'll, let's say, we'll like connect a couple of times a month or something, and It's so interesting to see, again, just that diet culture and that shame around food. Mm -hmm. So, I'll have so many women, and it's like clockwork, you know, like, oh my gosh, I was so bad this week. I ate. I'm like, what do you mean you were bad? Like, Mm -hmm. does that define who you are when you ate a damn cupcake? Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't define who you are. You ate cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Well, then why are you ashamed of it? Like, you weren't bad, it's not bad it's
0: not that nutritious. Get over it. Yeah. Yes. Love that. I you know the shame spirals that we go through with food are extremely intense um and it's something that we almost so here is where my my mindset was for a long time. I felt like the only way I would be able to lose or maintain my weight is if I punished myself by depriving myself and shaming myself. Like if I wasn't using that shame as a tool, I wouldn't be successful how wrong is that? <laughs> like, yeah. do you find people being more successful when they can let go of shame? I'm curious to know from your, from your experience.
1: Oh my gosh, hundred percent, but it's such a mindset shift. And I feel like, again, that just goes back to like your other practices and mm-hmm. really has nothing to do with food. Mm-hmm. It just all kind of works together. So even like the practice of, you know, teaching people like law of attraction and like the more that you are like, I don't want to have this weight on me. I don't want... Well, what are you bringing on to yourself? Mm-hmm. You're you're, you're asking your body to not let go of that. You're asking your body to highlight that weight that you have that you don't want to let go of that you hate and just bringing more of that to yourself. Yeah. Of, you know, I appreciate my body for what it's done for me. Mm-hmm. My body has held me for so long. It's supported me through everything that it's gone through, that I have gone through. It, it has been there for me. And, you know, maybe now is... It's time to love myself so much that I don't need this extra love to hold on to. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. So much. So much. So if somebody's at the point where they're like, yes, I resonate with what you're saying, Misty. I know that my mindset right now is crap. I know that I need to shift it. I don't know where to start. What do you tell somebody when they're at the beginning of that journey?
1: Find thing that works for you as far as a mindful practice, whether it's energy healing, whether it is yoga, whether it is meditation, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. find that first because you have to get your head in the game first. Okay. It just has to be there. Okay. Um, and then as far as eating, like let's look at what you're eating and see if we can find a few things to just swap out that are a, a little bit more nutritious so mm-hmm. you're going to get that higher vibrational food when you're putting that higher vibrational food in your body it's gonna work with your mind kind of all works together but we don't have to go from eating you know mcdonald's to eating a salad every day Mm -hmm. you know that's not that's not the goal and that's that's not helpful that's not useful in your body either so Mm -hmm. just starting to make small changes that are a a bit more nutritious and a bit more higher vibing food
0: Mm -hmm. and then
1: hopefully work that with the mindful practice, you'll be able to slowly adapt over time.
0: So as I'm listening to you, I'm very much hearing the opposite message of diet culture, which is certain foods are bad foods. I'm a bad person if I eat those foods. You're saying, let's focus on how we can add better foods in that are actually gonna be nutrient dense, that are going to fuel my body, so it's not about deprivation, it's actually about focusing on fueling your body so that you can vibrate higher. That's a literal physical thing that our body does, depending on the inputs it's getting, right? And that could be mindfulness things, it could be nutrition, it could be exercise, time and nature, or a variety of different things. So I think that this approach is so, so revolutionary and such a message that we need for our time. And um, so with this, You have a little bit of background in Ayurveda, like I do, and we've talked quite a bit about Ayurveda on the podcast, and one of the things that I'm really curious about with your approach to intuitive eating is how Ayurveda has come into that, and specifically with the dosha, so we have vata, pitta, and kapha. Those are, just for our listeners, they are basically constitution types. We all have a different... Uh, kind of just way that our body is from birth. That's the tendencies. It's going to be the weaknesses and the strengths that our bodies has um, so with Vata, it's it's the combination of air and space and Pitta is the combination of fire and water and then kapha is the combination of earth and water and So depending on what your constitution type is you're gonna have different types of personality things going on different types of um you know, things that you need to watch out for, but also certain things that you can leverage. So my dosha is Vata Pitta. And I know you were telling me yours the other day. Remind me what it is again.
1: Well, I'm Pitta Vata.
0: Okay. (laughs) Very similar to me. So do you feel like with intuitive eating that it helps to know what your dosha is and how you're approaching that intuitive eating? is the way that you approach mindfulness as a pitta going to be different than a kapha do you think or do you just feel like mindfulness in general is important no matter what
1: i think it totally depends on the person right like if that's overwhelming for you then no it's not helpful it's not useful yeah if if it's helpful for you just to a reminder if you're not super in tune with your body yet and you Mm -hmm. need that kind of reminder of what Mm -hmm. foods maybe you stay away from and what foods will help balance out any imbalances, -hmm. uh, then sure, this is um,
0: useful. Okay, good, good. So you don't have to feel like you're pigeonholed because you're a certain dosha. But if that information is helpful for you to know, it might actually help to bridge some of those gaps and help you to get to where you want to go maybe a little bit more quickly if that is going to be helpful for you to know what that is. I know for me, it does help me depending on the season. So like in fall, when we have a lot of vata, if I know that, then I know, okay, it's actually okay for me to eat a few more root vegetables just to bring in some of that earth element. And what I think is so interesting is that as soon as I do that, my body is just like, thank you. It's like the messages I'm getting back from my body so it's kind of interesting how those ancient wisdom practices, whether it's Ayurveda or yoga or whatever, are really confirming of our relationship with that inner voice and our intuition and our body. So I just think it's really cool how it all fits together.
1: I do too. And one of the things like I, I will, you know, teach people in intuitive eating is to eat with the season. So mm. I mean, things grow in different seasons for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. if you're eating those vegetables and those fruits that are in season mm-hmm. that's typically going to be best for doshas and obviously like even though we might be you know vata pitta or vata pitta vata it's still you're going to follow those seasons that are more more pitta or more vata and so you, you might have an imbalance in one of those and be able to bring in mm-hmm. the food that's needed to help it balance those or the spices or whatever Yeah. Right?
0: right yeah I love it I love it it's just like to me it enriches my lifestyle and for me it makes it a little bit easier so um I, that is one thing that I do is I help people figure out what their constitution type is is that something that you do in your work as well
1: if it's useful for them I mean I feel like I'm starting with so many people that are just such beginners yeah. that um we might we might talk about it but it I feel like it's a conversation for more for, for later people, down the path a yeah. bit more
0: okay Have you ever felt a pull to go more deeply into ancient wisdom traditions? Do you feel like you are created for more, but you don't know how to connect with your inner purpose and inner voice in a way that feels right to you? Are you super curious about how to incorporate more Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, or aromatherapy into your lifestyle? Or maybe you want to learn a few modern homesteading skills like canning, preserving, or soap making. If you answered yes to any of these questions, the Intuitive and Seasonal Living Academy is for you. The Academy follows the cycle of the year and is divided into individual seasons, each carefully curated to give you the pertinent and life-changing information that ancient wisdom has to teach us about what is changing in nature and what is therefore changing in us. Learn how to leverage this information for a better quality of life, a deeper sense of connection, and a soulful understanding of your own life's purpose. We can't wait to see you in class. Join us for one season or the full year Work at your own pace, at your own timing, at your own convenience, wherever you are. Go to bit.ly slash Isla Bundle. That's bit.ly slash I-S-L-A-B-U-N-D-L-E to learn more and to get enrolled in this season or the full season of the Intuitive and Seasoned Living Academy. Very good, very good. So, I'm curious to know you've worked with a lot of people over the years, in addition to yourself, in working through a lot of these things. What sort of non-physical positive results have you seen people have with intuitive eating?
1: Uh, digestion, energy, skin health. Yeah. I mean, I mood. Um. Just. All of those things. I think yeah. those are probably the four: strength, strength, um, mm. less pain in their joints, mm. less uh, inflammation all over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I there's hundreds, right? But there's, probably those are the big things that come to mind right away. Okay. So it's like I have so much energy. I'm sleeping better. Mm. My digestion is on, like Mm -hmm. my digestion is working the way it's supposed to, you know, (laughs) and those are huge things, like, I mean, I can relate, and that was a huge thing, like my whole life I was constipated, my Mm -hmm. whole life, I mean, -hmm. I can't remember a time since like 12 that I wasn't,
0: and
1: then when I finally started eating this way, you know, four or five years ago, my body started working.
0: Yeah, that's incredible.
1: I mean, the joke used to be in my family when we go on vacation. Oh, we got to wait for mom to poop. You know, and it was like, it was
0: miserable. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. And I think that it, is, it just speaks to that whole thing that so many of us have internalized that we can't trust our bodies.
1: God, it's so funny. You said that. I was driving home. Uh, way TMI,
0: but it's fine, right? Yeah, it's totally fine. Yep.
1: Okay. It's like I was driving home from my son's hockey game a couple hours away and I hadn't had a chance to go to the bathroom and I'm literally like, I I'm so used to it, but I still have a little like, "Ah," from when I used to be able to not go all the time. So I'm Mm -hmm. driving home and I go, I trust my body to know what it it needs. Mm. I'm all the way home. Like I trust my body. It's going to do what it needs to do. I trust it. I trust Mm. it. Like I, I used to have to use like I don't even know what they're called, like just different things that would help you go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's just such a relief to know that you can trust your body.
0: Oh, yeah. I honestly feel like that's in many ways the core wounding of many of us who have been part of diet culture for most of our life in one way, shape or form. And that wound healing takes time. But it's so powerful when it starts to heal. Mm -hmm because you have these little tests of your faith that you get to make like this drive that you were doing where it's like, okay, I've given my body something different, I'm honoring it, I'm loving myself in a different way, what's gonna happen? You know, and at first you're like, oh no, this isn't gonna work or I'm gonna be so disappointed or things are gonna go drastically wrong or I'm gonna gain 40 pounds overnight or whatever it is that people are afraid of. But the body has its own innate wisdom that we really truly can tap into through mindfulness. And it is so cool to hear that something, I mean, that might seem like a simple thing, unless you're a person who's ever had digestive issues and it can be very life altering all the time. So I think that's an incredible testimony and just speaks to the fact that health is not about, did I lose enough weight this year? Did I maintain my weight this year? There's nothing wrong with maintaining a healthy weight. But health is about so much more. It's about your joints working. It's about having energy and sleeping well. And sometimes when you do those things, the body will also release some excess weight. So not that that's the goal of intuitive eating, but have you seen that also happen for clients?
1: Yeah, so much. I think when we can take the focus off what we look like Mm -hmm. and how much we hate our bodies. Yeah to shifting that towards love and honoring Mm -hmm. and nourishing Mm -hmm. yeah just magic starts to happen inside
0: Mm -hmm. and i
1: think like one of the things i love for people to consider is when they do see somebody a couple things if it's okay so a couple things like if they do see that somebody has lost weight and they they want to give them a compliment maybe just saying like hey i i've noticed you made some changes how are you feeling
0: Oh, I love that. That's so life-affirming.
1: Yeah, and then how does that, that, you know, and that takes, like, I feel like when people have lost weight, then there's so much pressure on them to keep going or mm-hmm. to, oh my gosh, everybody's giving me all of this praise when I'm losing weight. It's just so mm-hmm. diet culture, right? Yes. So if we can start to shift that into, like, how do you feel? Like, mm. what, what? it? what's your energy, you know, whatever. So even just for the general public to start making that shift to how are you feeling would be so amazing.
0: Yeah, for sure. So this all came to you from first starting to practice yoga, which I think is incredible. Like you went to that first hot yoga class in New York and now look, you're working with people with nutrition, you're working with people with mindfulness, you're working with people with yoga. It's branched into this beautiful, soulful thing that your healing has now facilitated the potential for healing for so many others. I'm curious to know now where you are in your journey. Even just thinking about yoga, what is your favorite yoga pose right now? And then I'm also curious to know, do you have any nemesis poses and if so, how do you approach them? Um
1: yeah. Um so my favorite yoga pose is probably half moon. Okay. And I just love the way I feel lengthened and long and mm. strong and vulnerable all in one pose. Yeah, it's a um, great pose. That's else, probably my favorite.
0: Okay.
1: And my nemesis is probably still and probably always has been, Um, and probably most hot yogis will say this as well, is this one It's called, in hot yoga series, it's called half locust pose, where... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are lying on your arms like this and you're on your belly and then you have to lift one leg and then the other leg and then both legs at the same time and yeah it's uncomfortable and I don't like it uh and it's hard <laughs> and I feel like I'm suffocating yeah. and um so sometimes I skip it and um <laughs> and sometimes I just breathe through it but yeah.
0: yeah so when you have a nemesis pose like that and it, it all of us have like mine's cow's face pose I I just literally like I can do every other pose, but this one, I just my body won't do it. And so sometimes I get really frustrated, and sometimes I just try to let it go. So what do you tell students when they're feeling those moments of frustration on the mat with a pose? Uh,
1: Well, it depends on uh, where the frustration is coming from. Ah. If the frustration is coming from pain, Mm -hmm. don't do it. Then that pose isn't right for you. Mm. If the frustration is coming from Feeling like you have to look like everybody else doing it. Close your eyes and just feel your way into the posture. Mm. And don't worry about what it looks like. And if the frustration is coming from um, just sometimes just not wanting to do it and feeling like it's not going anywhere, just breathe through it and let it be what it is. And mm. Let it. And never force. Like I think that's probably a good. Probably in anything in life, that's mm-hmm. a big lesson I've learned over the last mm-hmm. few years. Is never push and force. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: discomfort is okay. Pain mm-hmm. is not. Okay. Okay. And well, breathe. Yeah, and breathing. <laughs> also good advice for intuitive eating, to not try to force things and to be more observant non-judgmentally about your current state versus feeling like you have to be a certain way. I've learned these things too on the yoga mat. So, thank you for that honest share. It's good to hear, even after all the people that you've trained and that you're working with, that you still do have some of those nemesis poses. Um, I call them suffocating poses, just like, you know, those ones that are just really tough. And everybody has it. And it, again, speaks to the concept that everybody's body is different. And even, you know, your foods that work for you are not going to be the same as me. And the poses that are hard for you aren't going to be the same as the ones that are hard for me. But those hard things are the things that can really teach and instruct us sometimes in what we can heal, what we have the opportunity and the potential to heal. So what does it look like going forward for you now? So you've got this business and you're doing your own, you know, your own practices within this. I'm curious to know for 2021, what are you looking forward to this year? What are you hoping to bring forth into the world or stay consistent with? And what are your goals? So
1: I am working through my 500-hour uh, training right wow. now, and wow. that's been a lot of fun. And the, one of the main focuses of that is the kundalini, and mm-hmm. um, actually, it's four things, which is really cool: kundalini, enneagrams, Ayurveda, and moon cycles. So I feel like I'm gonna just finish with those. I've been adding a lot of kundalini in, and mm-hmm. I really am obsessed with it. It's made a huge shift in just the few months that I've been focusing on that Mm -hmm. in my personal practice and I feel like in the classes that I teach as well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I think I'm being led towards more energy work and Mm -hmm. we'll see where that takes me. I'm just open to, um, seeing what's happened. I know I've done a lot of energy work, um, not on myself. I've had somebody do it for me Mm -hmm. and that's been pretty, Amazing. Life altering,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely life altering. Just working through some big shifts. Um so I think in everything I think the the things that I am working towards is just allowing myself to um soak in what I'm learning and then offer up what's been useful to me or what I feel like could be useful for other Mm. people.
0: Awesome. That's beautiful, thank you. So I know people are gonna want to find you after hearing this podcast. And I definitely want them to know about your gym and what your current classes are. So why don't you share with us what you have on offer for people right now?
1: Yeah, well, we do have some virtual, but we are not like primarily a virtual studio. Okay. So I, we don't put a lot of focus into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my website is 180balance.com. Okay. I would say we're more active on uh, Facebook. So Facebook at 180balance.com. Okay. 180 Balance is there. Um, and I'm on Instagram personally as Misty Mae, M-A-E-Yogi.
0: Okay, great. And you are still coaching people for nutrition as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. I love to work with people, but just know they're not going to get a meal plan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I think that's really beautiful. So they can feel free to reach out to you, um, either at the gym or through your social media. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Misty. I feel like you really shared a lot of your heart with us today. And I know that that authentic share is going to really speak to so many people that are just ready to emerge from diet culture and really find a new way of being in this new year. And so I just really appreciate and honor what you've shared with us today. And be sure to check Misty out at 180balance.com. If you're in the Detroit Lakes area, please get to these classes. They sound amazing. I wish I could go to hot yoga. That's one of my favorite things. And I would have to drive like two hours from where I live to go to one. So I'm kind of...
1: Wow, how far away do you live from me?
0: Uh, pretty far. <laughs> Pretty far,
1: like uh, take a road trip. Sometime. Road trip
0: sometime, yeah. It's a good, good, a uh, good break to get out of the car on the way to Minneapolis and do a little, little hot yoga in the legs. lakes. Um, so thanks again, Misty, and for those of you watching, please comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. And for those of you listening on your podcast app, I really do appreciate those five star reviews. And I will see you next time. When you think of your ideal life, do you ever think to yourself? man, I just wish I could have a completely holistic lifestyle. When I was first educating myself about more natural ways to live, there was one major emotion that I felt, overwhelm. There was so much information, A lot of it was conflicting. There were so many products with lots of weird ingredients. There were so many things I didn't know that I should know, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And because of that, it took me a lot longer to increase my wellness and my quality of life and create the lifestyle of my dreams. This is exactly why I have created my new VIP 12 week one-on-one holistic lifestyle makeover. So in a world where it feels like we control so little, there really are so many things within your power to change, especially when it comes to your health and lifestyle. This experience is designed to take the guesswork out of the equation for you and to guide you in what you specifically need at this point in time to enhance your quality of life and create leverage in your health and wellness. Take advantage of the full depth of my growing body of work and my 25 plus years of experience in living a holistic lifestyle from a wide variety of perspectives, modalities and challenges. As a VIP client, once a week you're going to get to pick my brain on all things holistic lifestyle, aromatherapy, herbalism, toxicity, living closer to nature, grounding yourself, managing your stress, helping your family be healthier, building a resilient mindset, space clearing, sound therapy, spirituality, homesteading, permaculture, and so much more. This curriculum is flexible and customizable to your needs and your experience level. So I want to help you to take back your power and be your own hero. And it would be my honor to guide you. Go to bit.ly slash VIP with Erin. That's all caps to get Get yourself on my waitlist for this exclusive experience as I have limited space in my schedule and I'm only taking a small amount of clients for VIP coaching. That's bit.ly slash VIP with Erin, all caps. And if you are not sure if this experience is for you, let's jump on a free 15 minute discovery call together so we can explore how we might work together to get you the lifestyle of your dreams. You can go to bit.ly slash discover with Erin, all lower caps, this time to book that call, and I can't wait to get you started. Well, everyone, that's our show for today. I am so grateful that you joined us. If you learned something or found yourself inspired, please subscribe to this podcast and rate us well. And if you are interested in even more tips and tricks about holistic living, go to prairiearomatherapy.com and join the Apothecary Inner Circle by using the newsletter bar. Finally, if you found this information of benefit, I would be so thankful if you would share this podcast. I know that together we can help more folks live a holistic lifestyle with ease.